0: The Dodgers won again. Clayton Kershaw got career win number 209. We'll talk about him and how he's looked so far since coming off the injured list. Talk about the Dodgers offense, which put up a lot of hits and a lot of runs once again. And the Angels uh, continue to be the Angels. And is that going to be helpful for the Dodgers? Possibly. Maybe not. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody, uh, we're by the good people of Locked on Dodgers, which is me and Jeff. Uh, this is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked on Dodgers. And if you want your episode delivered to you every time it is available, you gonna just subscribe on Dodgers River Yet Podcast and on YouTube, Becoming Every Day or by Listening Every Day, and you can be in that exclusive club of people that are low-key our favorites. If this is your first time listening and watching, I'm Vince Samperio, joined by Jeff Snyder, my co-host, and we are both lifelong Dodger fans. We both have spent time covering the team in the past. We've both been in the clubhouse, been in the locker room. We've been all around Dodger Stadium, and we've watched a lot of Dodger baseball, not just this year, but in our lifetimes. So we're here to bring you what we think is some reasonable and knowledgeable takes on what is known as Dodger baseball. And that's what we're here to do today. Jeff, the Dodgers continue to just do things correctly, which is win games, Uh, 9-1 victory. They got to face a position player in the eighth inning this game, which actually was the quickest inning for the offense all night and Clayton Kershaw got career win number 209 now tied for second in Dodger history for wins we'll we'll talk about what's kind of not looked great for Kershaw in in a little bit but you know what did look good from Kershaw last night you
1: know Joe Davis mentioned during the game that one of the things that sets Clayton Kershaw apart is the way he's able to be successful on days when he doesn't have it and this was clearly a day that he didn't have it he threw what was a 42, bo- 42 strikes and 37 balls. Uh, he was, it, it wasn't until his last inning or two that he even, you know, had more strikes than balls overall. Um, it was, it was a grind. He walked three guys. He had three ball counts on I think seven of the first nine batters he faced. Uh, he he didn't have his command and yet he threw five innings and allowed one run, just one solo home run to Corbin Carroll. That was it. And I I think it's really important to point that out sometimes that that's what makes Kershaw special, that he, he knows how to pitch. He knows how to get outs when he needs to and to battle through when he doesn't have his best stuff. uh, You know, and, and I, I don't know how he does it, but uh, whatever it is, he gets the job done and it's why you rarely have a clunker of a start from Kershaw.
0: Yeah, and that's really what it was. I mean, when he needed ground balls, he got some ground balls. When he needed some strikeouts, he got some strikeouts. And, you know, while it wasn't pretty, he got the job done. And I I wonder if that abbreviated start in Cleveland kind of messed him up a little bit. And then, you know, them thinking, hey, maybe he'll pitch Sunday. And then he ends up, you know, getting a couple extra days and ends up pitching Tuesday. And I only say that because, like, velocity was down across the board uh by a mile and a half on every one of his pitches you know maybe he just had a a, it was like a weird you know he threw two innings and then i'm sure he threw a bullpen and then you know came out here and it was pretty hot day and night in la so maybe it was just a combination of all those things but yeah like i said he didn't have it and still got it done and you know i don't know if merrill kelly had it or not but uh he definitely didn't have the same start as, as clayton kershaw did so there is something to that when you know you you will you can will yourself, will your way to not a, not just a victory, but at least giving your team a chance to compete, and he did more than that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm just looking at his game logs this year, and something I didn't realize. Um, do you remember the last time Kershaw allowed a run that wasn't on a solo home run? No. May 27th. His last – he's now made uh, nine starts since then he's allowed eight runs in those nine starts on eight solo home runs. Uh, (laughs) That's crazy. And you know what? Solo home runs don't hurt you, especially this Dodgers team. You know, we talk about what we need from the rookies and yeah, if Kershaw went uh, five innings and allowed four runs, we'd be disappointed. But uh, because we do expect a little more from Kershaw, but you know what? You give up a couple solo home runs once in a while, You're you're going to win a lot of games if that's all you're doing, Uh, Kershaw. I think I think saw a stat during the game that he hasn't allowed a hit with a runner in scoring position, which makes sense. Why uh, he hasn't allowed a run except on a solo home run since May, because I think since June, June second was the last time he allowed a hit with a runner in scoring position, and so uh, it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, and that's also you know big because his strikeouts have been down. You know, since coming off the injured list and even a couple starts before that, uh, I think the start right before the injured list, he only had two strikeouts. A couple starts before that, he had five and five. And then since he's come back, he's had four, two, four, five. Although four of those came in two innings in his last one, which maybe you know would have reversed that trend a little bit. But yeah, I mean he he's doing it a little bit differently than he had earlier in the year. And you know, I'm hoping it's just a matter of him, you know, he had that time off. Maybe he's just building his way back up. Like I said, this last week was just a little weird. And and again, it's not concerning because he's still pitching well and and doing what he needs to do. It's just that he's doing it a little bit differently than he was at the start of the year when he was looking really, really, really good.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and like, as you, like you said, hopefully this really is just a function of that abbreviated start. And he's, he's still trying to, come back from, from that injury, still trying to get back in the groove. And luckily we've got five weeks left or whatever. Um, I guess, what is it? 30, 31 games now, something like that. Um, and so he's probably got six, six starts left and that should be plenty for him to get built up to go six or seven innings in the postseason. And uh, you know, the quality is there even when the stuff isn't there and hopefully the stuff will bounce back over these next couple starts
0: yeah before the game dave roberts had said you know 5 and 75 would be a good measure for kershaw he did just around that he did the 5 he had pitches he had 79, 79 pitches so yeah yeah just around there uh and yeah like i said continue to build up and and build up to that you know 90 95 100 pitch mark you know realistically are they going to let him go that deep in october Probably not unless he's absolutely dealing. But to have him ready to go stretched out that way, I think he's more comfortable that way, too. Like, I think when he's like, okay, I'm fully stretched out, 100% ready to go, I think he just feels more comfortable. I Maybe, you know, obviously he's a big – he's a veteran. You know, we're not going to put anything on him. But when you, when you know that 575 might be what you're looking at, you know, maybe he's trying to be a little bit more fine with those pitches in order to kind of get a little bit deeper than – five innings
1: and he did get more efficient as the lead grew that the Dodgers giving him. He, he understands, okay, my job now isn't to dominate this game. It's to get through my five innings uh, and keep this lead pretty darn big. And so, you know, the, the pitch that, that Carroll hit out, it, it wasn't a bad pitch. I w- I was surprised it went out. I didn't think the swing looked like a home run swing, uh, but you know, Carol must have some pop in that three foot tall, 74 pound body of his. Um, and, and he hit home run, so you know we'll take that um, because Kershaw was a lot more efficient over those last couple innings as far as throwing strikes.
0: Yeah, and then after that, we saw guys that probably won't factor into October, but it was they all threw put up zeros in Gus Farland, Tyson Miller, and Victor Gonzalez. So that was good to see.
1: Yeah, until today, I had been in attendance for Tyson Miller's only game with the Dodgers. Uh, now he's pitched two games with the Dodgers and I wasn't at this one. So, so much for that meaningless stat.
0: <laughs> All right, the Dodgers offense put up nine runs. They did it in a variety of ways. We'll get into that and talk about that. That's what's coming up, so let's get or keep it locked on Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Sales Solution are you struggling to close deals? Well, cold outreach is just a waste of time for both buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using outdated data, shallow data, stuff that doesn't really resonate. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These insights empower your sales reps and sales teams to adopt the habits of top performers and leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win weights, and larger deals, which ultimately leads to more money. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with their next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And Locked On Dodgers listeners, guess what? Right now you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator for a 60-day free trial if you go to linkedin.com slash locked on. That's linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first lesson of the day every day. If we are your first lesson of the day every day, if we're not, we would like you to do that for us and become a part of the everydayers, which is the exclusive great club of people that listen to this show every day or with the intentions of listening every single day. And then remember, SiriusXM or SXM app can help you out if you want to listen to the Dodgers home broadcast for any game. Let's just say you can't watch the game tonight against the Diamondbacks, but you still want to listen and see what's going on. Then you can get SiriusXM or the SXM app and just search Dodgers, and they'll help you out right there. All right, Jeff. So let's talk about the offense again. Uh, I feel like we've, we've talked about them, but they continue to give us reasons to talk about them. Nine runs, 16 hits, and surprisingly the only starter without a hit was Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman had no for 4 4 night. But we'll go, you know, Mookie Betts, two hits and a homer. Will Smith, two hits and a homer. Max Muncy, one hit, three runs scored. Peralta, three hits. Hayward, three hits. Outman, one hit. One RBI, Chris Taylor on his bobblehead night, three hits, and even Miguel Rojas delivered an RBI single. It was just uh, you know, all around, good old fashioned beating on Dodger pitching and on Merrill Kelly, who had just shut down the Dodgers not that long ago, uh, before cramping up and having to exit the game and giving the Dodgers a chance to win that game.
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah. I I have misconceptions about Merrill Kelly because the Dodgers do hit him pretty well, and so of the time that I've seen him, probably 98% of the time I've seen him pitch has been either when he's pitching against the Dodgers or when he's getting knocked around in the World Baseball Classic. And uh, so I don't think Merrill Kelly's good, even though his stats say otherwise. Uh, He's definitely not good against the Dodgers. And I like that. And I was glad to see that back because, like you said, he did pitch well against the Dodgers last time out. And uh, one of the things that really stood out to me was Dodgers only struck out three times in this game. Max Muncy struck out once, Miguel Rojas struck out twice. Rojas's first strikeout was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. He had an RBI single his first time up. Then his second time up, three straight swings and misses and looked like he had never played baseball before. I don't know if he was just guessing wrong on every single pitch cuz I mean basically I think it was all fastballs and he must have been guessing off speed on all the pitches because yeah he just it was one of the worst at bats i've ever seen but uh you know what when it's only one of three strikeouts and the dodgers scored nine runs and have 16 hits i don't mind it one terrible strikeout
0: yeah and it was one where you know the dodgers definitely won the Babip battle today you know a lot of the hits were weekly hit you know a few bloopers got in there you know chris taylor had a blooper hayward had a blooper uh, I think somebody else had one of the bloopers, but again, they also had the thump. My like Mookie Betts hit uh, second furthest home run of the season so far for him. Also home run number 36. So he sets a new career high, uh, still on track to hit 40, which would be the first guy to hit 40 out of the leadoff spot. So we're still tracking well there. Um, you know, Will Smith, good to see him, you know, get some power, put a charge into one. Uh, you know, he's really good at hitting that inside pitch and, and that's what he did last night. But, you know, we talked about Peralta struggling and, and you know, maybe he just likes playing against the D-backs uh, because last time he had the big hit against them as well. Uh, but you never know. You know, hopefully this is a step in the right direction. Hayward looked good. You know, James altman continues to produce, uh, even if it's not as consistent. But, you know, he's still fairly consistent. And Max Muncy has, you know, I think he has a little mini history going on right now. So that's a good sign. Yeah,
1: eight-game hitting streak, seven straight games with an extra base hit. And so, I mean, his batting average is up to 205. His OPS is up to 822. I mean, that's a legitimately solid season. Obviously, the batting average isn't what we would hope for from him, but uh, he's got, what, 31 homers. Uh, So, you know, he's on pace for another 35-homer, 100-RBI season kind of thing that, you know, that's just Max Muncy. Um, actually, I don't know if he's ever actually driven in a hundred runs, but up in, so, but. in the high double digits is where we expect him to be. And that's where he's going to be. So yeah. Uh, and, and on a game where, you know, Mookie did hit the home run and he did, he scored the first run, had a, a base hit to lead off the bottom of the first scored that inning. And so he got the the scoring going. Um, and, and the, but the home run was inconsequential. That was the eighth of nine runs game was basically already over. This really was a game that was won by the middle of the lineup. and. You know, that's what we need that when we think about the postseason and last year, the problem was we had Trace Thompson and, you know, guys like that. Cody Bellinger, who couldn't hit at the time, you know, the the middle of the lineup wasn't producing. And so maybe there was more pressure on Mookie and Freddie and Will Smith when they came up to get the job done. and, And when they weren't able to do it, it, you know, it just compounded. Uh, The Dodgers really do need this middle of the lineup and bottom of the lineup to produce in the postseason. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we we talked yesterday about how Peralta had been struggling recently. And this is now two straight games where he has played a big role. And hopefully that can he hasn't hit the ball really well necessarily in any of these. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's those lucky hits that get get a, a, a good streak going. I wonder if there is some motivation playing against his old team. I was watching the the recap of yesterday or of Monday's game, and uh, there was the play – I forget what happened, but David Peralta – it was a hit to Peralta, and somebody scored, I think, on the D-backs. Um, and, uh, and the D-backs announcers were trashing Peralta's arm. Um, and, and, you know, we all know David Peralta doesn't have the arm he used to have, but they said uh, something along the lines of, every team in baseball is going to take every chance they can get to run on David Peralta. It's like, dude, he used to be one of yours, and it's not even like he left him for agency. The D-backs traded him. Like, you, you got to have more appreciation for David Peralta. And, uh, you know, he, he, even when it's true, you don't say that stuff. And so may, maybe David Peralta watched the, the recap too and uh, heard that and decided to say, hey, I'm just going to get three hits against you and drive in a couple runs and shove it.
0: I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt that something that would happen, yeah. I mean, the the part you brought up with the strikeouts is good because we talked about strikeouts. Well, last we last mailbag or a couple mailbags ago, and even though it was a very, very small figure of the Dodgers being striking out less, it's still significant in the fact of last year, you know, specifically playoffs, if they had just put the ball in play at least one more time the series would have went to five games, uh, you know, and they would have had a whole nother chance of potential RBI opportunities and, and ways to beat, you know, the Padres. So it, it, it does make a difference. That's the team strikes out less.
1: If they got into game five, the Dodgers would have won that series because I think either you or I was going to start for the Padres on the mound in game five of that series. <laughs> yeah, So that, uh, also that. So, yeah.
0: So, but yeah, uh, again, offense looked good and they have one more game against the D-backs and then, the, the Braves come into town. So, you know, it's a good – it's also a good thing, like, you know, with the way the season is right now, the Dodgers are, you know, basically playing to stay fresh and not get hurt and, you know, catch the Braves if they can. But, you know, you could look at this series as a little bit of a trap game or trap series uh, just based on the fact that the Braves are coming and You know, people are going to hype it up. So, it's good to see them win the series already with the chance to take it down and win the series against the two – top pitchers from the Dynamax, you know? Yeah. Now you know, that's, that's the big key.
1: And it's good practice because they'll be seeing Spencer Strider and Max Freed for the Braves this weekend. And, you know, that's more of a potential postseason season preview. Uh, and, you know, ho- hopefully they can, uh, they have now the confidence, Hey, we, we've hit two guys with better stats than Strider or Freed. Uh, and so, you know, let's do it to them. Um yeah, it should be fun. Hopefully they can finish off the series with the D-Backs. They they officially won all nine series that they played in August. They're 23 and 4 now this month. Chance to finish the month 25 and 4 if they can finish off this series and then win the first game against the Braves. Yeah, it's been a good month to be a Dodger fan.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh one team hasn't been a good month to be a fan of is the Angels. And we'll talk about what they did and what some other teams are starting to do and if that can help the Dodgers at all in September or into October. So that's what's on tap. So let's keep it locked on Dodgers. We want to thank you if you are someone that makes Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. If we're not your first listen, but you still listen, we also want to thank you for that. And if you're an everyday, we want to thank you for that. If you're not an everyday, we still thank you for listening, but would ask you politely to listen a little bit more. And remember SiriusXM or the SXM app is available for you to listen to the, any home broadcast or the Dodgers home broadcast for any game. All you got to do is search for Dodgers and you get the home broadcast for any game. If you can't watch, anyone listen. um All right, Jeff. So, the news that came out, Jeff Passan reported it that the Angels were putting Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Matt Moore, Hunter Renfro, and Randall Gritschuk on waivers. Uh, we heard a couple other guys get put on waiver Harrison Bader from the Yankees, some other guys throughout the day. Now, we know, or if you don't know, there's no more trades beyond the original trade deadline. There used to be a waiver trade deadline where if guys you know, went through waivers, you could trade for them, which is how the Dodgers got Adrian Gonzalez and all those guys back in the day and how Justin Verlander went to the Astros in, in 2017. But that's not a thing anymore, Jeff. So what does waivers mean now and what does this, you know, I guess transition that into what this means for the Dodgers. Is there any chance of any of these guys?
1: Yeah. So back when there was the two different trade deadlines, they had what was called revocable trade waivers. So you could, teams could place anybody they wanted on waivers. And if they got claimed, then the team decides, okay, you have three options. Either let the team that claimed him have him and his contract is now theirs. Uh, they back in 2000, uh, mid 2000 or you know, the first decade of the, of this century. Uh, I don't know what to call that decade. Uh, The Red Sox put Manny Ramirez on waivers uh, and nobody claimed him. Uh, These Red Sox were kind of done with his shenanigans. And uh, it was probably 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Uh, And they were kind of done with him and they were willing to let any team that wanted him just take him and nobody took him because he was owed a lot of money. Uh, And so that was often what happened uh but if the guy did get claimed they could either let the team the claiming team have him work out a trade with that claiming team or revoke the waivers and say never mind we'll keep the guy and in order to be traded between July 31st and August 31st back then you first had to clear those revocable waivers so anybody who went through waivers didn't get claimed then they could be traded uh and and now that there's no trades allowed those waivers are no longer revocable. So you put a guy on waivers and there are only two options. Either somebody claims him and they get him or nobody claims him and he stays on your team. So theoretically, there's a possibility that all five of these guys that the Angels put on waivers could stay on their team. Uh, Realistically, there's very little chance of that uh, because all five of those guys have at least some value that could help some team that's hoping to make the postseason. And the reason that the angels did it right now is because in order to be eligible for the postseason, you have to be in that team's organization by the end of August. And so, uh, waivers take two days to play out. And so all five of these guys on the angels will most likely find themselves on new teams on Thursday, August 31st. And by being in those organizations by August 31st, they then are eligible to play in the postseason for their new team. Now, that's why it's important for teams like the Dodgers, if the Dodgers were to claim, say, Lucas Giolito, and uh, and get him, uh, that would mean he would be in the organization on August 31st, and so he would be eligible to pitch in the postseason. Chances are the Dodgers will put claims on at least a couple guys, be, between the five guys from the Angels, Harrison Bader, um, a couple other guys, who, who we got word of and there's probably more guys on waivers that we don't know about because the waiver wire isn't made public. it's uh it's made it's obviously made publicized to the 30 teams uh, but the public doesn't know who's on waivers. and so th- this stuff leaks out from different sources. that's why we know about these ones. And uh the Dodgers will make a claim, but those claims are prioritized based on worst record to best rec- record. So the 29 teams that aren't the angels, Uh, all have the opportunity to put in a claim and chances are eight or 10 teams will put claims in on each of these players. Um, But then it goes in order of priority. And the Dodgers currently have at the time that, that these guys were placed on waivers, the Dodgers had the third best record in baseball, which means they would out of 29 teams, they would come 27th in line. So the only way the Dodgers would get uh, anybody who's on waivers is if None of the 26 teams ahead of them, meaning everybody except the Braves and Orioles, if none of those teams put a claim on those guys. So realistically, this probably means nothing for the Dodgers other than uh, maybe they end up playing against Hunter Renfro in the postseason. Uh, Hunter Renfro is a guy I think the Dodgers definitely put a claim in on him because if you get Hunter Renfro, then he could replace... uh, um, Miguel Rojas against left-handed pitching. Hey, Moki, you're playing short against lefties and, and Renfro's playing right field. That would be a move that would definitely make the Dodgers better. Renfro's not going to get to the Dodgers, though.
0: Yeah, realistically, none of these guys, because, you know, most of all these guys are, I think all the guys that angels have on waivers are free agents after the season, right? So you're really only paying for one month of their salary, which is not, you know inconsequential for realistically for teams that are contending. You know, the angels also did this because I think it gets them under one of the luxury taxes. If all these guys are claimed Um, and that way, if Otani leaves, they get a pick after the second round instead of after the fourth round. So, you know, it sucks as an angel fan, I guess in theory, it makes business sense at this point, but it's not, it's like we just trade our number two and three prospect in our organization. For these guys, now we're giving them up in order to get a draft pick that's you know might not even be as good as guys that we gave up for, but you know that's that's the that's the the risk that you take when you make trades.
1: Yeah, I just hope that Reynaldo Lopez and uh, what's the other guy who we're talking about? The
0: more Renfro Giolito
1: Giolito. I hope Lopez and Giolito get claimed by the same team because they went from the Nationals to the White Sox together. Uh, in the same trade. And then when they went from the White Sox to the Angels together in the same trade. So I want them to go together again. I think their careers just need to be tied together forever. Um, Yeah. It, it, like you said, it does technically make business sense, which makes me wonder how Artie Marino allowed it to happen. Uh, Wait, a a smart business move, but it is the kind of, it's the kind of good business sense. that also kicks your fans in the nuts. So that sounds more like Artie Marino. Um, It's a, yeah, I mean it's not inconsequential to bump up your your compensation pick for losing Otani by sixty picks. That you know you're getting a better player in that draft pick. But yeah, it's like I even saw uh, rumblings that maybe there's going to be a, a grievance filed by the union because, uh, I mean these this isn't a baseball decision. Giving up Hunter Renfro and Randall Grichuk, who you just traded for, does not make your team better. And so when teams start dumping players for non-baseball reasons, the union definitely gets their hackles up a little bit. And so, you know, what what would be awesome in a hilarious way would be if they do all this, they lose these players, and then union files a grievance, and they win, and the punishment is that the Angels then lose their compensation pick for for losing Otani, or at least it goes back to where it would be if they were over the luxury tax, so they don't get any benefit of it at all.
0: Yeah, one name I did see, and I'm sure we'll see some more of these, like Tyler Anderson was put on waivers. But if you put in a claim on him, and he cleared, I think already. If you put in a claim on him, you get the rest of the contract that comes with them. So there might be some other players like that. Realistically, like Dodger wise, unless it was an impact player, anyone with more than one, even like a year beyond this year, probably doesn't make sense if it's costly in terms of money. But if it's somebody that would make an impact, then that you know the Dodgers can use the financial might in that aspect to take the claim and. Yeah. Hope that it works out.
1: Yep. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll know by Thursday late morning probably how all this shakes out. But chances are it won't mean much for the Dodgers.
0: Yeah. Um, but it that NL wild card race is gonna get a lot more interesting once these uh all these waiver guys kind of file through and see where they end up. So it'll yep. be fun to watch. That's gonna do it for today's episode. Unless you have anything else, Jeff. Nope. All right, that's it. Like I said earlier, Dodgers go for the sweep tonight. And then they got the Braves coming into town. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. If we're not your first listen of the day every day, we should be. Uh, We're here for you 30 minutes every Monday through Friday, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube. Remember to become an everydayer by listening every day. Tell your friends and family and make sure they become everydayers. And that way you guys can all be part of this group together. And uh, it's always better to do things together. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincents91. You can DM Jeff Rye on Twitter if you need to get a hold of us for any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also get a hold of us via email, lockdowndodgers at gmail.com, or via voicemail text at 323 863 5625. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car, if you're at home, text my device, play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen. Have a good one.
1: We'll talk to you tomorrow.